I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. I've missed you so much. I know. I missed you in last week's episode. Oh, I know. Yeah. It was a good one. It was good. I started listening to it today because it just launched. Um, I'm going to have to finish it later, but I've been running around like crazy today. She's learning things. It's like 80 degrees in Santa Cruz in February. Does not make any sense. It's weird. It's very odd. It doesn't make any sense. This is my birthday month. My birthday's at the end of the month. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to hate it because I was like, it was always cold and rainy on my birthday. And I don't think that that's happening anymore. I think it might be pretty, pretty, I might be at the beach on my birthday. I know. Well, you could go to the East Coast and get a little cold. I mean, I I want it to rain here. Now. Now. (laughs) Well. But until then, I'll go bronze. There's just a documentary I was watching on Netflix last night called... um, Water and Power. Check it out. It is mind-blowing stuff. Like, I mean, it's not even conspiracy theory stuff. It is literally stuff that you should know if living in California. Mm. And I'm going to show you on that one because I felt like I should have. I I needed to know that information. And uh, it's it's really enlightening. But water is a public resource, um, Mm. but it's actually quite privatized in California. I'll just say that. Everybody. You know what? Watch that documentary. It's mind blowing. So I just moved to the Santa Cruz Mountains not too far and um, not too far away with my man. And if you if I drive up the road up that street, I'm not going to name the street so that everyone finds it. But <laughs> if, I, if I drive up, I have access. There's actually a um, a, sp- a spring coming right out of the earth where you can get fresh water out of there. Well, and don't tell these people that made this de- documentary. You all don't know where this is. The documentary. Nope. Yeah, but it's but it's. I mean, you can't find that anywhere, right? Everything is from. Everything has you know. There's city water, and then there's also well water, and you can get some really good well water. But water is coming right out of the earth. It's oh, difficult unless you live in the center of the the nation there's a lot of natural uh, natural springs and aquifers and things but it is it's typically unusual the 85 percent of all the water um in california comes from the northern portion of the state um, but 85 percent of the population lives in the south and there's no water like Mm -hmm. they have literally tapped all the water resources so all of the water comes from northern california Mm. so yes your natural spring they're trying to take it, aren't They'll they? They'll probably try to take it. <laughs> Don't touch my spring. Be mindful my of that spring. spring. No, but then there's the other issues. People claiming like it's not my spring. It's everyone's well, water spring. is a public. It's it's it, it's water. water people is, is for public people use. Own water. They like, don't. You like, can't own water. Yeah. It's um. It's there's there, it's part of our nation's agreement. Anyway, sidetrack. But just watch yeah, that. We're really passionate about this. It is. I, I mean, I studied environmental law. That stuff. It, it's mind-blowing for me so chip and dip are back together again we are we never broke up the band never broke up. no we've just been doing we We recorded and we have a guest for this one as well we do just so you all know it's not going to be water the whole time yes so we have a guest it's allison moon who wrote the book girl sex so it is a girl sex 101 podcast but we also talk a lot about um, there's some stuff on consent on raising children and with uh, sex positive messages 
Um, on how to drive a vulva. Yeah, how to please the pussy. Pleasing a so pussy. it isn't just for girl sex. Is actually written more so for uh, girl on girl sex. And there's a lot in there for um, people inquiring who, minds about vulvas. Yeah, if you want to please a vulva, so you don't have to be. It's not just for girl on girl sex. It's for all kinds of sex. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, we want to share a couple things. First of all, oh, we have y'alls. a special guest, Monty, in the room. Oh yeah, Monty the dog. <laughs> oh, and I'm not wearing pants right now. And Amy's not wearing that. pants because it's really hot. It's too hot, so I took my pants off. So I just took my pants off and Monty the dog here is our uh, mascot. I call him Montosaurus Rex. He's really cute. We'll try to take a photo I make him, him feel special wherever he goes because I sing him little Monty songs. It's adorable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a couple shout outs. So we're going to do a couple things here before we dive into the podcast. Number one, I said this in the last podcast, but I'm going to say it again. This Amazon affiliate link that we have. Um, as I said before, they do not sponsor us. We must be clear. They do not sponsor our podcast. But um, well, I must be clear. We do this as a passion project, so yes, this is it's for project. you, for our listeners. So and this our, is a way. Our passion project to costs us some monies, and so by um, by using this link, you can actually hook us up, and it's really cool because you just go to our website, you click on the Amazon link on our homepage, and anything you buy, anything on Amazon, we get a portion of that, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. And so it helps to keep up with our wine habits and those kind of things. But also it helps <laughs> us improve our recording equipment. Um, helps us with our Anything time. Anything that Shameless Sex needs, <coughs> it can actually support that. So it isn't just for wine. I kind of lied about that. But no, we, we won't probably sponsor. use hey. it for wine. <laughs> I tend to just buy wine all the time. That's why we need someone to send us cases. I know. Hook us up. But anyway, so Amazon link. So any of the books that we talk about, um, and even you, whatever, you want to buy a new laptop, you want to buy a pair of boots on Amazon, if you use the link from our website we get a portion of it it doesn't cost you anything extra it's not the same old process for you but it helps us out so and i want to just say something about amazon because i get it it's a pretty i don't know you can have a lot of opinions people have a lot of opinions about amazon however it is a convenient thing and i think at this point in um, my life, I do utilize it because I cannot get to the store all the time to buy all the things I want to buy. So it's a convenient thing. So well, however you feel about Amazon, it's, well, it's up to you. Well, and just also know but it that you're supporting a greater cause. Like yes. if, if, you're, if you're supporting Amazon, then essentially by using that link, then you'd be supporting sex positivity by Absolutely. supporting. Oh, sorry. But they don't sponsor us. It's supporting, but not sponsoring. Can we They're be They're supporting us. Yes. Just support. No sponsoring. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to be clear on that. Um, and then we have another shout out about, we talked about this before, but the flex fits, which you've been using I and loving. Have, so I have, um, an issue with menstrual cups, as I've talked about on our menstrual episode when we were with Aaron but Fisher. They, you put them backwards and they get stuck. In I didn't put it in backwards. They <laughs> flipped it around. You moved it on, on its own. So I, I'm, and I also cannot, because my fingers apparently aren't long enough to reach out to break the seal of the menstrual cups. I haven't been able to pull it out. And I've had to get it removed by a doctor. So anyway, I am a little bit <clears throat> scared of menstrual cups. And most people, that doesn't happen to. Yeah, I wear them all well, when I'm bleeding. And right. I love them. They're amazing. But tampons are so unhealthy for you. So actually, um, this is a awesome company, women-owned. We talked with them and and um, women-founded. And they were like, have you heard of FlexFit? And it's a type of menstrual cup. And we both were like, no, what is this? So it's they actually a box and changed. Our lives. It's a it's a cup you can wear during sex, but it's not like a typical menstrual cup. So I've been I've used it now two cycles in my period. And it number one is super easy to put in and out. I don't have to bear down or do weird things like I do with when I had the menstrual <laughs> cup in and spend 45 minutes in the bathroom trying to figure out how to get it out. And with tampons, obviously, people know 
Um, and if you don't know, this was our menstrual episode that we have an episode on menstruation. Oh, it's called the fifth vital sign. Yes. Listen to that one if you want to learn about it because. But tampons are, they're really bad for your yeah. body. So this is a great way. It's a great alternative and you can use it during sex. So I've had sex with it in two times now. Two times. Yeah, I've had it with uh, two or three times too. And, and my, my partner, partner loves said, it. My partner loves it too. He was like, I. He said he felt it a tiny bit, but nothing that was like we both orgasmed. Yeah, and no blood didn't get in the way. No of blood, orgasm. and I have white sheets. Oh girl, and That's I the have white right satin <laughs> sheets, yeah. so it worked. Um, just uh, check it out. But you can go to our website, and the material that it's made from—it's latex-free, it's silicone-free. Um, it's almost like a mesh-like cup that you put in. It's flexible. It's easy. You You're just really sit body back. Friendly. It sits behind your pubic bone. Yeah, it tucks behind the pubic bone and then covers over the cervix so that the blood can just go into that. Right. Into the There's no couch. odor. It doesn't smell. Yeah. And to take it out, you just sit over the toilet, take it Hold out, up. and it's disposable. And it's disposable. Yeah. Um, and keep it up to because hours, tampons right? are really bad for the toilets when people throw them in. Oh, there. they're not supposed to be I put know, in but toilets. But people do. People still think that you. Or your dog comes out with one in its mouth, Monty. Or <laughs> they swallow it and have to get their stomachs cut. Okay, tangent. Anyways, so tampons, no flex fits. Yes, we're huge fans obviously if you go to our website there's a link on the on the website as well it has a little photo of it and you can click through that when you click through that um then it will take you to their website or you can use the um if you go right to their website FlexFits, if you use the code shameless in all caps you'll get three dollars off and that's three dollars off your 20 percent first yeah off your first box which is 20 or sorry it's three cycles worth and it's fifteen dollars, and you get twenty percent off fifteen bucks. Yeah, but it's three cycles, and if you do the math, actually, that makes way more sense. It's well, tampons, if, especially if you buy the organic kinds with the plant-based applicator, those are, I, I mean, they're between eight to twelve dollars, depending on where you're buying them. So that's, and those don't last a full. I, I think maybe I last a cycle and a half. And menstrual cups are also <coughs> awesome because they give us more connection to what's happening as opposed to like, just throw it away and don't even notice. Yep. Like how, you know, it's just tampons have so much shame around them. Well, I have shame around tampons because the string, I always tell you the string gets the stink. She's so fun. I keep telling <laughs> her, why don't you just shove the string up your pussy and you're, Fear is like it's gonna get lost. But I don't know. Yeah. Well. Anyways, now I don't have to worry about that because I'm using the flex yeah. fix. Yeah, flex fix. So I have big news. Okay, what you got? Um, I officially, I'm 35 years old. Dun, 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 dun. On January 14th, 2018, I lost my anal virginity. Woo! Finally. And I didn't even tell you I was saving it for the podcast, but I told you the other night when we I were know, doing it. But interview. I was like, do you must tell me on the podcast? I know. So yeah. So I don't. The, everyone, all I know is that she did, but I don't know the details. It was actually it was awesome. Uh, I, it was a bit kinky because we used the the restraint system from Sport Sheets, where uh, mm. you Velcro your. It's like hog tie. I like. Uh, which I'm I, super turned on by that. Shout out to Sport Sheets. And then. Um, he used some toys to prep me, lots of lube, and then went for it. So I didn't really know when it, the pen actual penetration was going to happen with his penis. And then it just went for it. So the, he, and he, he was penetrated excited. you yes. with his cock. Okay. But first he used some toys. Okay. So he like, oh, relaxed the muscles and opened it up. Yeah, it took some time. It definitely took some time. You were on your stomach. Fingers. And then he was like, your ass is just exposed. Yeah. And he was gone. Yeah, and my hands like, and my ankles were time behind. I'm like, I'm like a little semi turned on. <laughs> <talk about> that. <laughs> it was really fun, and I'm gonna do it again. I will say this though, I did have a little bit of some the little traces. Well, tracers. No, no, I didn't have any tracers. Oh. I was okay there, like poo tracers. Yeah. No, I didn't oh. have any of that. I just it was a little bit like to go numero dos. Hurt. 
Oh, after. Yeah. Yeah. It well, was, so did it hurt during it? Was there pain? A little. It was uncomfortable, but I wasn't like, ah. It was a super uncomfortable at a point, and then I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, no, yeah. just relax. <sighs> I breathe through it, and then we well, went in. this is the thing about anal, and um, where did I hear about this from and then look into it? I think I heard about it on Dan Savage's podcast about how in anal sex, you're 18 times more likely to get an STI than vaginal sex because this tissue isn't as elastic and it right. isn't self-lubricating. So it gets tiny little fissures. That's what happened. Yeah, so Because I looked at it yeah, and I was like, I got fissures. So and, you, and even if there's no blood or anything, like you don't see any of that, you can still get little fissures. And so, of course, when it stretches out, when you're, you're doing, as April calls it, number two. <laughs> Who is number two? I was like, ow! No, do not eat spicy food the next day after anal if you're a beginner. That's what I made that mistake. But you're still on board, though. No, I'm still on board. No, I, I, I actually had a really great experience. It was just the aftermath. And I feel like we did everything right. I just think that perhaps I maybe could have relaxed more. There's some things that I'll try differently next time. Maybe some more preparatory tools. Well, I think you should also be the one to um, squat over the cock and make your way onto it as opposed to yeah. having them insert you. Because then you can really pace it to the point that your body's ready to take it all in. Meow. Yeah. Meow. I think that will be the, the go-to, but yeah. I like the first the first time. Just well, that's like, high. Hog tie? Hey. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of trust, too. I'm going to hog tie myself and let you play with my ass for the first time. It's like major trust. He must have had conversations about it. We had a conversation yeah. about it. Good job. Well, I just love that hog tie system anyway. Yeah. Hog tie. Hey. So that's my news. I like I'm that. I'm no so longer you, an anal virgin. April and I share this calendar on our phones. It's called the Chip and Dip calendar. And we m put certain things in there. That and it's my anniversary. And so we put our anniversary there. So every year it'll pop up and remind and us. And I had a yeast anniversary last For year. Our first yeast infection. But thankfully it was my first and my last. Well, so far. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's not put that out there. <laughs> Bad juju. Um, what cool, about you? For your you good news. Yeah. Uh, you have anything me? you want to well, share? Yes, I would love to share some things. And so, okay, let me, how do I start this? I had some weird, not weird. Okay. All the stuff that we talk about around sexuality, I had like a swift old slap in the face of like, here you go. It's all happening to you or not to you. That's not the way to put it. Um, this is, you're, you're doing the exact same thing that all the people that you're giving advice to are doing as well. Um, and that's regarding sexuality and desire. And, um, I have some shame about it and I actually don't have shame anymore right now. It's not feeling shameful. Like when I think of shame, it's like a little embarrassing to talk about or, or really embarrassed. It's hard to talk about. So I had shame about it, but what I ended up doing was I outed it to a number of girlfriends, um, we have that thing with Marco Polo, right? I was hot talking. You were. I won't work anymore. I know. You would have seen it. You would already know my shame. Damn it! I gotta it. get it fixed. I know. And so on there, I outed my shame, and my girlfriend saw, and then they were all outing theirs. It was really great. Like they were. They How did I miss that? Because you're not on it, bitch. <laughs> my new phone. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Please so, continue. I'm. I'm dying to know. So it was shameful though, because um, you know, I'm, I'm a sex educator. I'm a sex and relationship coach. We have this podcast. I know a lot about sex and the way it works, and I know a lot about the way desire works. And um, still, I was—I've been battling this this thing with myself where my desire has changed, and um, yeah, I know that I knew that it significantly changed after having an abortion. That um, 
because my connection to my own body shifted, you know, my head wanted one thing, which was not to have a baby and my body wanted one thing, which was to have a baby. So my body wasn't safe. And so I became really heady. And so for all of 2017, I've been spending this time getting back into my body and it's been this, this disconnect and this challenge. So there's that piece of it. There's also the piece that in my relationship with my partner, we've been together off and on for four years, uh, on and off for four years. You know, you know what I mean? Um, and now we're in this really stable place and You're so living together now. Yes. But this is even before living together. It's not the living together, like bad death that they talk about. Um, <laughs> I just feel really safe with my partner. Like they're not going to fuck it up and leave me at any moment. Right. And we've had moments where that, it, that stuff was there. And, um, and as that, in that book mating in captivity, as Esther Perel talks about, she talks about, um, there's a formula that is, attraction plus obstacle equals desire. And once obstacle is gone, I have you and I feel really safe, all of a sudden desire can shift. And this is what happens for a lot of people in long-term relationships or in marriages. You know, oh, I got you. Now I don't feel as spicy and excited anymore. And so, and so... I don't know. That's when you start eating pizza late night. Yeah. Watching your sweatpants. sweatpants. (laughs) Where's that bucket of ice cream? Yeah. Well, and you, and, and it's, and even if that stuff isn't happening, because that's not what's happening in my case. That's what happened to me in my marriage at some point. It was, that that was happening to you. You didn't want to have sex with your partner. No. Yeah. For a minute. Yeah. There. Yeah. And there's something to be said, like uh, for humans, like, we want what we can't have. We, it's just true. We like, you know, someone, so she was like, they're a little, whatever, like a box of sweets. And they're like, here's a box of sweets. And you're like, I don't really want it. They're like, well, you actually can't have it anyways. And they're like, oh, maybe I do want it. So it's, there is something to be said about that. And so I, I was going through a number of these things and I've been for a little while here. And, um, and, and just looking at it, you know, where's this coming from? And I know that I'm not broken, but the abortion piece is like, okay, there is this component that might be out of my control, but I know the tools, like I know the tools are doing my practices to breathe into my pussy and like connect with my sexual energy, not just relying on my partner to do it for me. Um, and so I've been doing some of the tools and they've been kind of helping, but not fully. And so I've just been like having this shame around not having this fiery sex drive, even though I know that this is completely normal and that I have the tools to deal with it. So I've been going back and forth between this, like you have the tools and you got this to so, like the tools are feeling help hopeless. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. So there's that piece. And then there's this other piece too that I was like kind of struggling with my partner. I wasn't outing. I feel like my body's my bot my my mind, body, and spirit has changed in terms of what it wants sexually. You know that that little um, sex kitten that could just like you you know we make out for two seconds and then you rub my nipples and then you like touch my body a little bit and you go right for my genitals genitals. That person is still in here, but she now needs more. She needs more of her entire body being worshipped for at least like, you know, around, I'm going to say around 10 minutes before. like And so what I this conversation I had with my partner about it, um, because he was taking on my stuff. Right. So, of course, like I'm my desire is in this fiery. I'm not making him feel as wanted and desired as he wants. And so I have guilt and shame about that. And I, then he's taking on, you know, what's wrong with me, da 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 And I'm like, this isn't yours. This is that whole thing, that whole thing that I'm always talking to people about. I'm living it right now. And so we out it to each other. We had this heavy conversation about it. His shame around him, his own stuff and my shame around mine. And um, 
and I we I get you know I I say that to him, and it's not that he just completely like goes right for my clit every time, and I I'm feeling like pretty much every single time we are intimate, I my body is desiring a lot, and I essentially I'm like just ignore my genitals for ten minutes, like they're not even here, touch everything else, like my inner thighs, my you know, my belly, my my chest, my back, my neck, all of these parts of you. And you don't have to do it with, like, your lips. You know, you can pretend as if you're just, like, kneading them or just with these, like, curious hands. And, um, and of course, bringing up that conversation brought a little bit of stuff for him. You know, like, the when you bring up, like, hey, here's something I'm desiring more of, people automatically are like, I'm doing something wrong. You know, I'm not enough. And so that came up a little bit. And we worked through that. And, um, and then... Once we had the conversation, we, first of all, it was very interesting. We had that conversation. I went into a little bit of a fear space of like, oh, no, what if he stops loving me? You know, totally irrational. Like, because right. he's not going to leave me just because I'm not a little sex kid. I'm not saying, we still have sex, people. Like, we have sex, and there's still a good connection there. And it's not as spicy and juicy as it once was. And it feels like there's been some unspoken stuff that we're both desiring more of. So... When after outing it, though, it was funny. I still went through that irrational thing of like, what if he leaves me? Like, what if he stops loving me because I'm not the little sex kitten anymore that I once was? And so went through that. And all of a sudden, guess what? I wanted sex more all of a sudden. I was like, oh, wait, I'm kind of horny right now. Very interesting. It wasn't, and it wasn't, I actually don't really get horny. And that's something I'd like to look into too because we've had guests who have been hormone specialists, kind of people were like, it's, you should feel that. Um, I definitely feel like tingly and aroused, but not this like I need to fuck right now. Like that's not a rare, uh, not a regular thing for me. But once all of a sudden I was like, he might leave me. Then also I was like, I'm kind of want to have sex right now. So there's that. Of like, so that's a sign of the whole Esther Perel mating in captivity. We want what we can't have. Over the minute it feels like there's an obstacle, like they might leave us. We want more. And then the next time we actually had sex, he did all of those things. It was just this like super slow, intentional, just worshiping of my entire body, you know, all of my legs, and just spent all this time just really warming it up. And um, I think one of the key things there, too, was when he was like, and you'll, I think we talked a little bit on this podcast with Allison Moon, but he was doing this, like, kneading of my inner thighs. And you'll hear the way I make a comparison to massage in this podcast with Allison Moon. But this kneading of it really like grounded my body down and acclimated to his body. And then when he finally made his way into touching my pussy, everything felt good. There was no like ticklish or squeamishness or like this isn't my body's not ready yet. It was like fully ready for him to start touching that part of me. Did so you have an orgasm? Not just from that touch. Later I did. Later when we actually did. started having. Because he prepped you. He prepped me and my body was just fully ready. And so it's just, this is, I wanted to out this on here because I had shame around it as, as the shame is, um, is the feeling of I'm broken. I'm, you know, I talk about sex all the time. I'm, and I was, once was this little like sex kitten and that person seems like they're still there, but they need more now. And I feel too needy and da, 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 you know, all that shit that we're all dealing with. I just went through and felt a lot of shame about, and I really wanted to out that like I'm human too. I think that's a great uh, it's an, a great example for for everyone out there because it's easy to get into a, a space of I, like completely feeling like you're a, a like an asexual human. Like I I was wondering for a while like if I could have an orgasm and 
like because I hadn't been able to without a toy. Mm. Oh, is that with your ex-husband? <clears throat> no, or no, recently. Oh, recently. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so uh, I'm broken story. Yeah. yeah. So I think like it's good that p- people understand that both you and uh, people that are completely secure in their relationships or secure with themselves can have shame or can have changes um, in their sexuality. Yeah. Or their sex drive or, and that's an important piece of the story. Things shift. I mean, our bodies shift, our relationship shift, relationship shifts. And so I think those conversations are important of like, okay, we've been together for a little while. Where are we at now? What are we wanting more of? What are we, and always, I probably starting with what are we doing really well? You know, what's working? What are we wanting more of? And those conversations can be pretty hard to hear. I'm taking a vibrator break. You are? Oh, I did that in 2012. I call it a strike. I'm taking a break because I don't want to strike. I don't (laughs) want it to be super final. I'm already missing the vibrator, but (laughs) I... <clears throat> I have to, yeah, because I was unable to have an orgasm multiple times um, during like sex with my partner, and I was like, "What's going on? This is super weird. You're doing all the right things." So, and I would like to clarify that the, the vibrator did not change April's anatomy. No, it's just as her brain's association with that thing is to get me off. Much I got faster. addicted to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's addiction. It's a dopamine addiction. It's a dopamine addiction, yeah. and I'm fully aware of it because I orgasm today with touch this morning, so I know that it, it's uh, breakable. Uh, yeah, the you, pa- the you just have to be patient. The addiction's breakable. Yeah. She's no longer addicted, everyone. No, I'm good. Although right now but she's I'm, thinking about a vibrator. I am kind <laughs> of. I was like, mm, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so easy. That's the thing. And that's it the same is. thing with porn, too. I know. It's the same kind of addiction. It's easy. It's a quick dopamine rush. Visual stimuli, a lot all at once. But uh, we can definitely work with them. We're so not. even, I just think that's great. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, I'm not broken. For You're sharing. No, I think that it's important oh, for us. Oh, I forgot one piece. Oh, sorry. One piece, real quick. So what I actually did also is I started doing this piece, which you've seen me do, where I seduce myself, right? Yes. I've seen, I have I have this thing that I learned in Somatica where I start to t- like just connect into my inner eroticism and rub myself in, this, in whatever. My hands start like pulling out my own hair and just like rubbing up and down my thighs. Kind of like Closing your I'm, eyes and getting into your body. Kind of what I'm desiring, the touch I'm desiring from a partner, but I do it for myself to like, get my inner turn on going on. And it takes me about, it's like a five minute process. And then I can either just do that for myself and leave it at that. Or I can g- do that in front of someone, you know, my partner. I've done it in front of you before and go outward and like seduce you. And that I forgot that that's like a really powerful tool in my toolkit to stay connected to my sexual self. And so yeah. that's something I've been using for the last couple of days as a means of staying really connected to my desire. And it's been really helpful. If all else fails, get the hog tie system. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and try anal. Yeah. Um, yeah well, so, maybe so, yeah, that we have all these tools in, our, yeah. in ourselves. And this is what we've always been saying. And just like you and I say, like we even experience it and we even have those moments of two steps forward, one step back. I right? apply things that I learn from not only from the podcast, but from uh, like the attachment theory. Oh yeah, that's sticking for you. Oh my god, I read that book by um, Diane Paul Heller. Uh, I finished it last week, and it's changed so much about how I communicate in my relationship. So if y'all have not picked it up yet, or you didn't listen to the attachment theory episode, that book is amazing. And she, I, I actually um, had it on Audible. Her voice is great to listen to she's so smart she has so many great things to offer I really recommend it but um I applying those things that we're sharing with people I apply it 
every day. And sometimes I still have a fail failure of Uh a day where I'm like, wow, I am really shitty right now at communicating or wow, I really can't get into my body or wow. I like, I'm there's so many aspects. So we're humans. Yeah. Start, take a moment, take some deep breaths. Um, even you could be going through a lot of changes in your life or within yourself or with others, but just tap into yourself, get back to the, to the basics of the tools that you've attained and if that one isn't working, then use something else. Try something new, fools. I mean, lovers. All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got this platform to out the shame. It's, it was funny when I felt when I when I realized, you know, because this has been going on for a little bit. When I finally realized, oh yeah, this is some shame. I was like, I need to put it on the podcast. But by the time I put it on here, it's not really that shameful anymore because I've already outed it a couple places. But it's a really powerful tool to want to out it and not make it just yours. I do want to share one last quick thing. What you got? Um, if you're a Santa Cruz listener, we, Amy and I did an interview for the good times. So it's the February 7th, Valentine's day issue. Um, this podcast will launch a week after, but it should still be on the shelves. Yeah. It should still be on the shelves. So So check it out. You can see us learn more. Yes. We did a whole interview. Um, it was really fun and, uh, we gave some great information and tips and also just shared a little bit of our story. Um, so pick it up, check it out. Good times. And if you're not in Santa Cruz, you can probably go online, but I don't really know. Goodtimes.com maybe. I think it's gtweekly.com. GT Weekly. See, I was way off there. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can read all about us or you can just listen to us and learn all about us because we probably, we talk that person's ear off. She's awesome though. I'm excited. She wanted to hang out with us. I know. She's cool. Apparently, um, yeah. Yeah. Apparently we're fun. She was, she said she was more nervous to interview us than she's ever been because she just relates to us and loves us. And yeah. I was like, oh, thank Wait, that's you. so funny. It's going to be more nervous because they relate to us. Right. Yeah. She was like, because I just think that I listen to your podcast all the time. She's like, I interview dozens of like famous, you know, um, yeah. authors yeah. and musicians. But she said that she was more nervous for ah, this particular so interview. I know. She's awesome. I'm excited. We're like, let's hang out. Let's yeah. have coffee. So, Thank you, Amy, for sharing Whee! your shame. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing your awesome anal adventures. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I Whee! feel so good. Next stop, I'm going to actually swallow cum. Oh, my God. Because I've never done that. What? <laughs> I think you've told me that, <laughs> but yeah. I still, every time, I'm like, what? It's you've true. been sucking dick for how many years? <laughs> A lot of years. I like it, though. you got boundaries. You've been holding I've them. been holding on to my Strong. boundaries. But I'm ready to step into a different sector of my <clears throat> experience with my partner. So wait, okay, before we end this thing, <laughs> I said, wait, you've had come in your mouth? Nope, never. No, okay, so maybe you should just start with that. Like, layer it, right? Like, start so with come in the what mouth. What do you do with it? You just swallow, just spit it out there? Well, I mean, you could just swallow, and then the whole thing, you would just, <laughs> she figured it out, she did it. You could do that, or you could layer and just see what it's like to just spit it out. I don't know. Okay. Honestly, for me, when I spit or swallow, it's... I guess there it's like the mental association with this is in my stomach and that feels a little Oh, odd. no, I don't even think about that. But it's not really a big, I mean... The other day, he was getting close. I can feel a little... You know, the, that little, yeah, the, the cock little, is like fluttering. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's going to happen. And I was like... The balls get all close yeah. to his body. You get all tight. Like, where'd your balls go? And I can go? feel it like... And I was like, oh, it's going to happen. And then he like pulled me up so it didn't happen. But I was like, you could have done it. I was like, you could come in my mouth. He's like, not yet. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear more about this. It's so fun. God, I think I first swallowed cum when I was like 15. <laughs> Jesus. I'm I'm like, you know me. I'm a weird germophobic. That's true. I create I create my boundaries and I'm very stern about that. I like it. I like I'm it. like, you nope, this is I mean, I'm an open-minded human and I'm willing to hear 
and learn. But yeah, that was a boundary that I hadn't been able to cross. So stay tuned, everyone. Wow, this just gets more exciting by the minute. <laughs> hey. All right, everyone. So we are um, done outing our vulnerability. And I hope maybe we've inspired that in you. If you have any vulnerability, you can send it our way. Oh, my God. We have sex questions, too. But we don't have time to answer them today. Oh, my goodness. Next week, sex questions. We'll do next week. We do have a lot of sex questions. But, y'all, just as a side note, and lastly, thank you for tuning in every Tuesday. We love you. We are so thankful for each and every one of our listeners for the positive feedback. Remember to, if you have a minute right, right now, write a review on iTunes for us, for you, for for people. And tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your mother, tell your cousin that your shameless sex is something that's awesome and you can benefit from so thank you thank you thank you we love each and every one of you and we'll see you next tuesday without further ado it's allison moon all right everyone so without further ado we are going to dive into some girl sex 101 with allison moon Woo! we're so excited to have allison here yay yay for girl sex yay for allison moon and the name your name is awesome Oh, thank you. So Alice, I wish I could take credit for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it was it your given name or was it? It is. Okay. It's on my birth certificate. I know. I went to school with someone who had the last name Moon, and their hippie parents definitely gave it to them, but it wasn't their last name, right? So it was like the, you know that created. I guess it's still your given name, but it isn't a passed down name. Yeah. No. This yeah. is very much a like Ellis Island name. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do a little intro about who you are, and then you can tell us who you are, too, because I know that (laughs) these little bios only go so far. Uh, So, everyone, Allison is the author of the award-winning, critically acclaimed sex ed book, Girl Sex 101, the Tales of the Pack series of novels about lesbian werewolves, and the sexual memoir, Bad Dyke. As a sex educator, Allison has presented her workshops to thousands of people around the U.S. and Canada, and you can learn more at girlsex101.com. Woo! And I personally have taken Allison's workshops, and they're awesome. I took How to Drive a Volva. I love that workshop. <laughs> what are you? Wait, Allison, um, I'm sorry if this is common knowledge. Lesbian werewolves? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know if lesbian werewolves themselves are common knowledge. Uh, yeah, oh. those were <laughs> I'm so curious about lesbian werewolves. I love yeah, it. Sure. Yeah, they were my first two novels. Um, I wrote, I've written, f- f- well, four books that are out now. Um, but yeah, the first two were uh, lesbian werewolves. Not quite erotica, but there's definitely a lot of sex. Um, so yeah, that's that was how I got into the book writing business. So how is a lot of sex not quite erotica? Well, they're actually like uh, publishers have very specific ideas of what certain genres actually mean. And in the world of like romance versus erotica is a, is a specific designation that publishers use a lot. And mo- many people who read romance, there's a lot of sex in romance books uh, and there's a lot of sex in erotica. But apparently the mainstream differentiation between romance and erotica, actually you'll like this, Amy, is toys. Ah! <laughs> if someone opens a drawer and pulls out an implement, it becomes erotica. If it's just bodies doing stuff to bodies without any sort of implements, then it can be romance, um, even if it's just wall-to-wall sex. What an interesting rule. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. that rule. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when the big dildo comes out, we know it's erotica, everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, um, that's... And you've also... So you're... You... I know that you... I've self, you self-published, did you self-publish Girl Sex 101 as well? Yeah, I did. Okay. Actually, that's the only way I would have been able to make it 
work because it's full color and it's almost 400 pages long. Uh, so I needed to kind of cut out someone. And so I cut out a publisher. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone, someone's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I self published that one with, um, I kickstarted that one about two and a half, what, two years ago. And, um, Katie diamonds, the illustrator. And so she and I worked together on making the whole thing from start to finish. It is such a phenomenal book. We have, um, we've been selling it at pure pleasure since day one and it sells really well. And I love, um, I love, I mean, I love the artwork, but I love all the really inclusive information. So, um, let's just dive in with a question, I guess, an opening question about, um, girl sex. Like how, what is, when you wrote girl sex, what was your vision? Like how might, how is this uh, helping folks in sex and relationships? Like what inspired you to write this book? Well, I think there is, I mean, two kind of entries into it. The first is that I think that a lot of people assume that if they have all the same parts, then they know how to touch them. But when you actually talk to, you know, people who like the same gender as them, there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of fear. Um, I certainly had that as a little baby dyke growing up in Ohio. I knew I liked girls, but I was also terrified of sleeping with one because in my mind, heterosexual sex was so straightforward and there's so many different ways of learning about it, right? Um, it was very easy to find, you know, Hollywood films or mainstream porn or books and guides. And there was just so much about, you know, men and women. And when I started talking to more people who were queer identified or LGBT identified, it became very clear that a lot of people felt left out from sex education because they because there was this assumption that if you have all the same parts, you just know what to do with them, um, which is just not true. And so on that angle, I really wanted to talk about, you know, I wanted to give a very safe, fun primer for girls who love girls so that you felt like you didn't, you weren't talked down to, and it wasn't boring and dry. I wanted something that was fun to read and also very educational and didn't assume that everybody was supposed to know something. So that's on the, the kind of queer angle. On the other angle, I started teaching this workshop before it became a book. And I would always have cis men come to the workshops because they wanted to know how to please their wives and girlfriends without using their penis necessarily. Um, and they want, they were realizing that there was a lot left out of their own sex education when it came to female pleasure. And so I would have these men who wanted to learn about essentially queer feminine sex so that they could use their bodies in different ways. And so once I realized that I had these two large demographics, of people who were desperate for this kind of information, uh, it became very easy for me to realize that I had to write this book because I can only teach so many workshops, but the book can go all around the world when I can't. And so that's how the idea for actually creating the book out of the workshop came. So the books, who would you say the book speaks to then? Because it sounds like there's a wide variety of pretty much any, is it, is it, we say, um, yeah, could you, I guess, could you elaborate on that? Sure. Yeah. So the book is written for women who like women. Um, and that's, uh, inclusive of trans women. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, non operated parts. And so, um, even if you have what the world would consider a penis, if you consider it a vulva, we talk about how you can get pleasure and how you can give pleasure with all the parts that you have, but it's really written for queer women. Um, anything that kind of falls under the umbrella of queer women. So, um, I, you know, I use she pronouns throughout the book and I very much want it to be about, I want it to be, it to be basically written for the, the baby dyke that I was, the book that I w wish I was given when I was just coming of age. Um, and so I wrote that for that person in mind, the queer girls who are curious or excited 
or maybe they've come out later in life and they have no idea what to do and they feel like because they're in their 40s, they're supposed to know what to do. Um, but it's really for women who love women. Um, and anybody who's not, who doesn't identify as a woman, I think there's a lot to offer in the book as well. And I think people are very excited by that. But it's definitely written from the perspective of you're a girl who likes girls. Here's how to do that thing. So and we, so would you say if someone is uh, so, you're, so you're saying if someone is not identify as as a girl, but they like girls, they could learn from this, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's I, I'd say about half my readers are cis men um, who feel like they wanted to learn how to use their hands and their mouths and toys and all these other different ways of pleasing a woman other than putting your penis inside of them. Can you elaborate on, I, th- I mean, we, April and I have talked about this podcast before about the term cis, but can you elaborate on what cis, when you say cis man, what that means? Sure. So a cis means same. It's a, it's a prefix that means same. So it's, it's kind of considered the quote unquote opposite of trans. So if you were born and the doctor said it's a boy and you still identify as a boy or a man, you're cis. Uh, same thing if your doctor says you're a woman or you're a girl and you grow up to be a woman or a girl, you're cis. Uh, as opposed to trans, which is to say you don't necessarily identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Thank you. That's a common um, question we get out there. People are getting more and more comfortable with, I think, sex positive terms. Um, Amy has taught me so much and I get feedback all the time from people. So remember, folks, cisgendered humans Mm -hmm. as opposed to transgendered and all sorts of be inclusive as possible. Um, So Allison, can you tell us some more about yourself? So you're an amazing author, obviously, and you're a sex educator as well. Um, can you tell us some more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I, my journey. Well, yeah. So I started teaching sex education about mm -hmm, 10 years ago. Um, and my very first workshop was at Burning Man actually. And it was Girl Sex 101 at the Camp Beaverton for Wayward Girls, which is the queer women's camp. (laughs) Camp Beaverton. I love it. (laughs) It's good. Yeah. It was founded by actually my partner, Reed Bahalko, uh, 11 years ago at this point. Uh, and there's a long story behind a man founding a lesbian camp and it's just, (laughs) awesome. yeah. Um, but, uh, so I started, I taught that workshop and it was just really a, you know, it was just a dusty tent. Um, like we had a little dome and I just decided like, let's just open up a conversation about queer feminine sexuality. And so, um, I just, it was a beautiful, it was a dust storm. There were like only eight women there. And we all just kind of sat around talking about our bodies and talking about things we had learned on our sexual journeys with other women. And I was, that was like just such an amazing revolutionary experience for me to watch, women talking about their sexuality, frankly, and talk about their sexuality with other women um, and their fears and their desires and their curiosities. And so that just kind of sent me on this trajectory of wanting to not only teach sex ed workshops, but to teach sex ed workshops with the framework of really personally for me speaking mostly towards queer women. And as I've gotten more into sex ed, I've expanded that a little bit more to, again, embrace, you know, straight men who are curious about their their wives and girlfriends um, and also just to kind of, you know, my partner and I are in an open relationship. So we teach a lot of polyamory workshops. And so expanding more into like kind of people who might not feel, who might feel left behind by a lot of the mainstream sex education that we get. Um, and I think any sex education is good sex education, as long as it's based in facts and pleasure and, you know, affirming bodies and, and desire. Um, but I think that for me, I saw that there was there are these gaps around people who felt like maybe they weren't being talked to 
specifically in the materials that they were looking for. Uh, so I started teaching more and more of these workshops and then um, traveling around and writing books. And now I teach workshops. I go to I teach at universities a lot. I'm actually just I'm going to be going to New York next week to teach at one of the universities universities in New York. And uh, so that's that's my primary you know, that's my primary business is going around talking to people about affirming pleasure-based inclusive sex ed. And it's so needed in this world where, I mean, as, as we're, we're finding, uh, we have listeners from uh, all over the world actually, but we have a lot of listeners that like, like what you were saying when you were in Camp Beaverton and hearing people kind of for the first time, or maybe not the first time, but really being vulnerable, especially women being vulnerable about their sexuality. And, um, yeah, it's in living in the, the, the very penis centric, um, kind of era that we're in it's really really important so we're thank you for all of the the work that you do thanks it's yeah. fun to do how, it. how many years have you been doing this now allison i'm i think you said 2009 like wait 12 years yeah going on 10 or yeah 10 or 11 at this point Amazing. yeah i mean i was I, I i got into sex ed in the same way that a lot of young people do where i I was just the most precocious kid in school, right? So people, all my friends had questions and they would come to me because somehow I knew. And um, I was raised by, my father's a nurse and my mom was, you know, a businesswoman. And so, and their forces combined taught me to be a very uh, self-actualized and um, like I was very interested in understanding bodies and I had very little shame. Um, And I think because I had so, just so little natural shame, uh, and in a very conservative upbringing around me, a lot of kids were, had a lot of shame and they had a lot of religious imposed shame and a lot of just kind of pe- people that they could, they couldn't talk to their parents, you know? So I became the person who they sought answers from and I just learned that I liked it. Um, I liked being the person who taught, you know, all of my fellow kindergartners, the words vulva and scrotum, you know, and <laughs> that just became something that as I grew older, it just became like, now my friends are talking to me about masturbation or periods or sex or ejaculation. And if I didn't know the answer, I'd find out the answer and I'd come back to them. And I, I really wanted to, I wanted to base it in facts and science, uh, as more than, you know, shame and fear. And so the more I realized how, again, how many people are basing most of their sexuality in shame and fear, and I, it just became kind of a calling. I needed to keep doing it more and more so that I could try and, you know, help our, our culture move in the right direction towards affirming, you know, just the human spirit around sexuality. Mm. I wish that you would uh, be able to speak in elementary and middle schools. <laughs> That's where uh, it's really needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are doing really good work in that, but it's also really hard because so many school districts are have a lot of sanctions on what is and is not allowed to be taught. I mean, I when I go to universities and I, I only teach at, you know, 18 and over because I'm, you know, a little bit scary because I talk about pleasure and a lot of people are f- afraid of that. I'm talking about that with, um, you know, children. But so I definitely whenever I go to a university, well, the, one of the first questions I ask is like, raise your hand if you got any sex education in school at all. And usually about half the hands will go up and I say, well, leave your hand up if it talked about pleasure and all the hands will go down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because all of the kids, I mean, I got abstinence based sex education mm-hmm. um, and it was about, you know, if you have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you will ruin your relationship and you will ruin your life and you'll probably get pregnant or get AIDS and die. Yeah, and that all was the bad things. All of it. Yeah. yeah, all the bad things. And didn't t- teach us how to prevent that. It didn't teach us how to talk to our boyfriends and girlfriends about our feelings. Um, 
it didn't talk about any of that. It just was incredibly gendered based and incredibly shame based. And so it's a miracle that anybody makes it out of high school without, you know, feeling just horrible about their bodies. Um, so I do feel like, yes, absolutely. This work does need to start much younger and it does need to start with parents talking to their children about consent and about their bodies and about it's okay to feel pleasure and it's okay to touch yourself. And it's the, here are the boundaries around where you're, where you can do that and make people not feel uncomfortable. But ultimately, um, this stuff needs to be, it's, I mean, it, sex education is a, is a whole life education. It's not just something that starts when you turn 18 or when you get married. It starts when you're a child and you're exploring your body and you don't know why that boy keeps on hitting you and you want him to stop, but you know, you don't have the words to tell him to stop. And, or the, you know, the boy doesn't know that he's not allowed to do that to girls. I mean, there's this stuff, these lessons that we teach our children, that's what gets codified as you grow older. And when sexuality becomes a large part of your life, that's, we, we bring bad habits into the bedroom, um, and into the streets. And it's important for parents, I think, to be very proactive about teaching their body, their, their children about bodily autonomy and respect for oneself and others. I mean, now with cell phones and computers, children, I mean, they get a cell phone when they're seven or eight these days, they have access to everything. And that's why I think as a parent, it's so important to educate young and I had this conversation actually with um, my boss because he has a young daughter and he's just like in shock. He's like, she's not going to lose her virginity until she's 19. I'm like, are you serious? You sell sex toys? You manufacture sex toys for a living? Let's be real. So I'm like, she has a cell phone. She's seven. Let's um, let's get. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. But like, I think it's just in everyone's um best interest to speak to their children at a younger age than even even when I was a kid. Well, it's just the importance of actually having real conversations as opposed to relying on the system to do it or they'll figure it out for themselves or whatever that is. And I really liked what you were saying, Allison, that example about um, the boy and the girl on the playground and he's kicking me and keeps hitting me and I don't know why. And and, and I just think back, because I, I, I totally had that happen a number of times. And it that's a, that, that you know first step of, oh, boys will be boys. You know, that's how they show their affection. So it's okay. And that's like the beginning phases of normalizing something that's so is, is not okay. And um, But it's just the brushing under the rug as if that's just like human, that's okay, human behavior. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, we when we are so afraid of sex that we can't talk about it, it makes it hard to talk about anything that feels like it's related to sex, like power um, mm -hmm. and so or violence or any of these other things that are really scary. And so I think, you know, and I'm not a parent, so full disclosure, but I talk to a lot of parents. And, you know, I think one of the most important things is understanding that your children is probably your child is probably going to be exposed to something that you wish they were not exposed to at that age or maybe ever. Um what the most important thing you can do as a parent, I believe, is to make sure that they, that your children know that you are a safe person to talk to. You can ask me any question and I will not tell you it's a bad question or it's wrong. Um, because that means like a lot of children I've noticed, like they don't, they really only ask questions up until the extent of their, uh, their maturity around the knowledge, right? You, I've seen this happen so many times where a parent will be very forthcoming, like, well, so like, here's how babies are made. And then the kids will be like, la, 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 no, 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 gross, gross, gross. Mm -hmm. And they'll run away, right? And so it's like, that's fine. And then, you know, but let them know that like in another year, if they want to know more or whenever they're ready, they can ask you more. 
And I find that that's a really helpful way to kind of just make sure that that you're a safe person. Um, and even in a more innocuous example, I've no, I mean, how many girls do we know thought they were dying when they got their first period mm-hmm. because no one in their family told them that this was going to happen eventually, mm-hmm. right? And this still happens in this day and age, still in America. And it's because so many of our our elders, so many of our parents are so afraid to talk about these very natural things. Um, So if you can have this experience of like, hey, this is probably going to happen to you soon. And it's, you know, it might be scary and it might be gross, but like, it's okay. It happens to almost every woman on this planet. And that's great. Um, So if you can have that conversation, just start seeding that. I think that's what I think that's what gave me my superpowers around sex education was having parents who gave me the information that they knew that I needed so that even if I was encountering something that I I was afraid to talk to anyone about, I had the context for learning how to feel safe in in where I could ask questions, who I could reach out to if I needed to. Um, And that makes a giant amount of difference in just understanding how to be a sexual person in this world. Yeah, I definitely had that too with with uh, with my upbringing with my mom and um, and we're I guess we're not saying parents that if you do this your kids will definitely become sex educators who write <laughs> books about how to be a bad dyke and all that fun stuff <laughs> and it just creates this this level of uh, openness that allows people to um, really express themselves and and also like fully be the sexual being that they um, were always meant to be so. Really, really important messages. Um, and on the note of important messages, uh, I do have a question coming back to the girl sex. And um, you've named some really important messages there. That uh, And I really liked what you said that uh, just because someone has a vulva, they doesn't, don't necessarily know how to touch all vulvas. Um, and But what are some other really important messages that you'd like folks to know about girl sex? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's such a big one is that, you know, everybody's their own, you know, sweet, special snowflake of pleasure. And, you know, my girlfriend and I laugh about this because she and I have all the same parts and yet we couldn't be more different in the way we like to be touched. And so it's really important to develop a a keen ear for listening. And this is something that is cross genders, right? I think learning to listen is one of the best things we can do as sexual people. Because when we get stuck in that notion of you have this, therefore you're supposed to like this, uh, we start treating people as stereotypes and treating people as basically the sum of all of the people we've ever slept with, as opposed to an individual in front of us. And if we can remember to kind of take a step back and really listen with intention and listen for energy and for emotion as well as pleasure, I think that that's a huge, I mean, that sounds, it's very esoteric the way I just described it, but ultimately just takes practice to learn to really be present and listen to another person's body. And from there, that's where I think a lot of pleasure comes from. Um, And in terms of like, I mean, in terms of teaching men what, you know, lesbians know, it's that you know, hands and toys and mouths are so integral to sexual pleasure. And that, um, you know, penetration, I'm sure you've talked about this on the show, like penetration is just one crayon in the crayon box of sexuality. And many women do not actually even enjoy penetration as much as other forms of sex. And so if you can get good at um, using your hands, using your tongue, using toys together, you will have so many different ways to enjoy sex with your partner. Um, And I think that just creates an interesting amount of creativity. It creates dexterity. Um, 
emotional dexterity as as well as physical dexterity for a long lasting sexual uh, life. Mm. I um so I recently had this this uh, experience with the well I was I kind of tied together. Um, the art of warming up a body, any body, but especially a Volvo owner's body, um, like, a, you know, I described kind of as like a receiver. Um, and it's a compared to the way if you got a professional massage and how the masseuse warms up the body, you know, they if you're laying on your stomach and they put their hands on your back first and just hold them there as the hands start to acclimate to the skin, to the body. And then they just kind of lightly start to rock the body and wake it up and um, and then they start to move all over the body and, you know, and didn't do their work. And, um, and I've, I've used that kind of comparison to explain to people who, um, who don't really understand, you know, or it's, that's a big complaint that I'll get from a lot of, uh, female identified folks who are in straight relationships or like, or not just, I mean, it's a lot of relationships, of course, probably not just straight relationships, but the ones I'm speaking to are, they just go right to my genitals. They forget that I have a whole body and that I have all this other energy to work with. And when I've explained it that way, like, it, you know, go get a professional massage and see how they warm up the body before they really dive in. Um, that's what I think most bodies are looking for. And even, even penises, I think even penis owners, even if they don't, they think that they just want fast and hard right away. I think when they experience something different, um, they might question that and where that came from as well. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite techniques that I talk about in Girl Sex 101 is a technique that I think was coined by Midori, who's a sex educator and rope bondage artist, um, called the pussy hug. And it's really just like a firm, gentle, loving cupped hand over the vulva. And you just put it there and just it's it should have the intensity of a good hug. Right. Like, here's my hand. Here it is. Like, it's not about poking in the hole. It's not about getting the click going. It's about just putting something there. And that's an emotional component, but it's also a physical component. Like our genitals are erectile tissue. It doesn't matter what you're packing. It's erectile tissue. And so the clitoris needs some time to get engorged and aroused and i mean there is like you said this notion that like as soon as a man has an erection it has to be like put in something right Mm -hmm. and i think that that's from a lot of different perspectives i think that our culture teaches that that's the thing that you do with an erection um as opposed to you know a man being able to receive a penis massage right or a you know a, a massage that encompasses his entire groin I think very few men experience that. Very few men get the opportunity to experience that and how delicious that can be to be in a state of arousal without thinking, now I have to get off, mm-hmm. right? So if if you can experience that and understand that, that's absolutely the same thing for people, no matter what you're packing, is to be able to have a, the in, indulge in the experience of, of getting hot, getting aroused. There's definitely pl- plenty of room in the world for fast, hard quickies. But I think that that's that I feel like that crayon is colored with quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that we have other colors that we need to explore and letting your body really warm up, letting yourself relax into it. It just feels so good. Um, I definitely and, you know, I've been in a long term relationship. I've been with my partner for almost 11 years. And so I absolutely understand the like, OK, like we got 10 minutes before we have to leave for the movies. Like, <laughs> let's just, you know, like and there's that like it just becomes part of the rote. And not everybody has room for three hour sessions every day. And I understand that. But I want people to feel more permission to at least indulge in 
giving yourself time to warm up and expanding what sex is. Because if we think that sex is only penis going in vagina until penis ejaculates, then we're missing so much. And it's okay to be aroused and feel sensuous and then stop or then pause and come back later. Um, and so if you want to explore that like massage without coming or um, just being close or just breathing hard together while touching, I mean, there's so much more that we can do as sexual beings other than just, you know, penis in vagina. Fast and hard, like the fast yeah. and hard. I have so many previous partners that just would go straight to like the <laughs> like over the Volvo. I was like, whoa, wait a second. That's a lot of intensity. Can we slow it down just a minute? Um, so Amy mentioned, I think you mentioned as well, you teach a how to drive a Volvo class, right? Yeah. Yes. Love that title. <laughs> Thank and you. And I love driving Volvas from time to time. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure listeners are wondering out there, especially those folks that maybe aren't Volvo owners, but what are some key tips for pleasing the pussy? Sure. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to understand anatomy and not necessarily in understanding all the Latin terms, but first of all, understanding that so much pleasure happens outside, right? So the vulva is different from the vagina. The vagina is the, the tunnel of love that leads from the outside world into the uterus, right? But that's just one organ that encompasses so much of, of quote unquote, female sexual arousal. There's also the vulva and the vulva is pretty much everything else on the outside. So it's the clitoris, it's the labia, the inner labia and the outer labia. It's the mound, it's the introitus. It's like, there's so much interesting things. And all of those places are really enervated. They have so many nerve endings. There's so much pleasure to be generated on the outside of the vulva. And so I think it's really important to understand like outer course as really sexy. Um, and then also understanding the clitoris itself. The clitoris is, you know, the, the, the primary sexual organ for people with vulvas. And it's very much more than meets the eye. Again, this is something that a lot of sex educators are always hammering out. But it's something that a lot of people still don't quite know. I still go to doctor's offices and see, we'll, we'll see diagrams that show the clitoris is just the little bean uh, on the vulva, as opposed to a giant internal structure. There is an, a very large internal structure. And my favorite factoid about sex ever is that pound for pound, inch for inch, the clitoris has the same amount of erectile tissue as the penis. Same amount. As the it's entire just, penis? As the entire wow. penis. It's just on the inside. And so when you don't see it, you kind of think it doesn't, it's not there, but that's actually the internal clitoral structure is what's responsible for a lot of the vaginal pleasure. Uh, from penetration because the actual internal clitoral structure is stimulated by penetration because the clitoris has a structure that goes around the vagina. And so that's why one of the reasons why a lot of people with vaginas prefer girthy sensation rather than deep sensation is because girthiness actually stimulates the walls of the vagina, which stimulate the internal clitoral structure. So to the degree that I can, I just want people to know, like, the internal clitoral structure is really important because that means, like, when we talk about things like the pussy hug, when we talk about different tips for cunnilingus, one of the significant things I always teach in my workshops is understanding pressure and the value of pressure. 
Um, a lot of people think that cunnilingus is just this like vibration diddling on the outside when really often very good cunnilingus for many people involves like a grinding sensation. You're really using your face to create pressure on the entire vulva. Um, this is why, you know, the, the joke about horseback riding is such a big one because we're talking about grinding and pressure as being very integral to a lot of people's pleasure. And so the more we can start thinking in, in three dimensions rather than just the superficial, I'm just going to rub your clit until you come, really starting to think more about like energy and kneading and, and, and smooshing and all these different things you can do with a vulva that can generate uh, pleasure on the internal clitoral structure as well as the external clitoris. Mm-hmm. This is, I, so I just, just thinking back to this poll we took from our listeners and they really, I'm so glad we're talking about this because they really wanted more on, um, on the, how, how to please the pussy. So this is all, I think going to be really, really wonderful. Um, really wonderful tips. And we actually have your, your class on, um, we have an online class of yours at Pure Pleasure's website too, that people can watch. I think it's like an hour long or something as well. Um, yeah. if they want to learn more about all of this and your book, um, What's what's next? Are you doing a Spanish version of the book? Yeah, so the Spanish version exists. It's called Sexe Entre Mujeres. And, and yeah, it's a... Uh, sorry, I just got distracted for a second. Pause, pause. There's a large owl sitting outside my window. Really? Sorry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good sign. That's like oh, because you're in... Native gods. Yeah, you're in uh, Oregon. Uh, yeah, Yeah, we live in Oregon now. I'm so, I'm so sorry to interrupt the, the recording. Oh, that's totally fine. I like this moment brought to you by Owl Wisdom. What does Owl Wisdom mean? Something about wise and wise. Yeah, yeah I can use a little wisdom these days. Um, Awesome. Okay, so... Uh, Spanish so version. Yeah. Spanish version. Thank you, yes. Yes, so we have a Spanish version already out. It's called Sexe Entre Mujeres, which means sex between women or sex among women, which is why I really like that title. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a it's the exact same book translated into Spanish and that's for sale all around the world. Um, I, I'm also now, expo- I've, ri- I've written another book all about casual sex that I'm hoping will, um, I'm, to, I'm hoping to actually sell to a tradi- traditional publisher. Um, so I'm working on that now and I'm also exploring writing, kind of returning to my roots around fiction, but writing more dramatic writing because I'm feeling kind of like the conversation we were having about sex ed and how important it is. I feel like some of the people, the people who probably listen to your podcast, the people who read my books, they're people who are seekers. They're people who know that they don't know everything. And I love those people. That's, I think, an incredibly, incredibly important skill set to have is curiosity. But I also feel like in order to change culture, we need to start getting people who don't know what they don't know. And so I'm exploring dramatic writing through plays and screenplays and TV to try and hopefully get projects that are talking about sex in really affirming ways and really smart ways. So I can get sex education kind of in while people are just thinking that just being, you know, entertained, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. So get, yes, yeah. And that was a very nice way of saying the closed minded folks that think that they know everything, but really don't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, I sometimes do live in this bubble of sex education and sex positivity, which is, I mean, it's a good place to live. Let's be honest. It feels really good to be surrounded by people who are constantly exploring and improving themselves. But there's a whole world out there of people who don't know. And so I think that your listeners and sex educators become those 
those people who have to, those are the people who actually have to reach out. Those are the people who are the interfaces between those, you know, they're the ones who can correct their friend when their friend says, oh yeah, like all women come from, from penetration. It's like, well, actually, mm-hmm. um, and having those conversations with their friends and their, their siblings and their spouses to correct the min- misinformation that's going on in the world. I, I appreciate that kind of effort. And I think we need more people who are willing to have those conversations to help steer the ship back onto a course of, you know, again, pleasure and, and, you know, fact-based evidence. So maybe you can translate the book into Mandarin and <laughs> Hindi and all sorts of languages out there because yeah. it's needed all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love that. We actually have somebody who's working on a French translation right now and a person who's working on a Russian translation, which I'm very excited about. Um, specifically because the book is so queer, um, you know, th- I had a person reach out to me from the Ukraine saying, Ukrainian lesbians can, we need all the help we can get. And so they're like, can we translate this book? And I'm like, absolutely you can. I want this information to get to places like that. And so you said you're going to be in New York teaching. Is there anywhere else you're teaching in the upcoming few months that our listeners could check out one of your workshops or open to the public or? You know, I, I, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, so I'll probably be teaching at Shebop again in the spring. Um, and generally speaking, if, you know, I'm in most major cities, I'm going to be in Los Angeles in the late spring, like May-ish. Um, and I do travel a lot, so I recommend for people who actually want to bring me into the city, the easiest way to do it is by hooking me up with a gig. Um, so I can I often teach at some meetup groups. Um, so I've been hired to teach all sorts of different groups. Um, but also, you know, universities. I still love teaching at universities, and so I'll probably be back on the road in the fall as well, teaching at more schools. Nice. And people can find your your when you're on tour at girlsex101.com. Yes, girlsex101.com, and I have all of my live dates posted there. And I also have a mailing list where you can sign up, and I'll just, I'll, I only send emails when I actually have something that's going on. <laughs> and where do you prefer people buy your book from? Um, and you're not on Audible yet, correct? Uh, the Girl Sex 101 is not on Audible, okay. but Bad Dyke is. So okay. if you want to hear me tell true sexy Ooh, stories, from my sex yes, it's Yay! me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It was fun to record, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I am happy with anybody buying a, my book anywhere. Um, obviously, Pure Pleasure, if you're in the Santa Cruz area, is a Ooh. fabulous place. To buy <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, your local sex toy store will probably have it. Um, I also have um, you can buy it from girlsex101.com and I'll send you a signed copy um, or, you know, anywhere. I mean, Amazon's fine, too. I know people, you know, have problems with that. But honestly, anywhere that makes it easy for you to get the information is a OK with me. Awesome, everyone. Support. Support your writers here. Support this knowledge because it sounds like there's a lot of good info in here um, for anyone who has a vulva or likes a vulva. Um, and also, actually, no, there's good information for people who don't even have vulvas. This is yeah. for everyone. Pretty- <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, I, I love it when people will open the book and they're like, wait, you have penises in here. I'm like, yep. yeah, but there are penises who belong to women. So isn't that nice to talk about that? But it's also what's lovely is that, you know, when we talk about trans women who haven't had bottom surgery, um, you know, a lot of that stuff applies to cis men who either don't get erections or get partial erections. Mm-hmm. A lot of men, again, they have so much um, shame around associating with not, you know, stiff erections that they had when they were 18. But penises without erections can feel pleasure, too. And I think it's lovely to have techniques to serve, you know, people like that. And so, yeah, if you're curious about that, there's some good techniques for hand sex and, and oral sex on soft penises. Ooh, I'm so glad you said that because there really is 
so much shame around that. And I think people feel so helpless when that uh, happens, either with their, with a partner that happens or on their, with their own bodies. And I, I mean, we're always trying to uh, eradicate that shame and give people a lot of tools, but I'm really glad that you said that and that this book can be a resource for them as well. It's awesome. Also hot Ooh. octopus helps with that pulse three. Oh, hey. <laughs> it can, it can um, help you have an orgasm with um, completely flaccid. Um, so that's Ooh. pretty incredible, but also techniques to help that is, is, is great to learn as well. Allison, anything else you want to share? Any last bits of information or happy vibes or love that you want to share before we? Yes. I, I mean, happy vibes and love. I'm <laughs> that. That's great. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people can follow me on Twitter too, if they want to at Hey Allie Moon um, or at Girl6101. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. I learned a lot. I'm going to check out your book, um, Bad Dyke, but I'm, I really want to check out these lesbian werewolves. So <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, thank you for the information and spending a little bit of your day with us. Um, everybody check out girlsex101.com. And again, thank you for tuning in. We see you every Tuesday or see you next Tuesday. Uh, go to shamelesssex.com for more on us and information. And ciao for now, everyone. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.